0: Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So, AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So, welcome and enjoy. Hey, Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to accidentalmuslims.com and today I'm very thrilled to have to introduce you to Adam Dean. Adam, welcome. Hi. And we also have a guest presenter, uh, Amir, Amir Adikla, welcome. <coughs> Assalamu alaikum. Good, good. So yeah, let's start. The first question we normally <coughs> ask is who is, and in this case, who is Adam Dean?
1: Who is Adam? Such a complicated question. so many different answers. (laughs) So, short version, Uh, like you said, my name is Adam. I'm originally from Joburg. I'm probably 33 in about a month's time. I enjoy long walks on the beach and deep, meaningful conversations. Uh, I like hiking, like we were chatting about earlier. Um, Yeah, I have a beautiful five-year-old son, Zayan. And I prefer work-wise, I'm a marketing or brand manager for Rockamommas. And I also just started my own little podcast blog journey called Sayedu. Um We've had a few chats about that and basically, yeah, just trying to put my little bit of good, positive energy into the world.
0: So, were you always this deep or this inspiring or...
1: Mm. I've got a funny story for you (laughs) when I was in yes I have always been I've always been into writing and poetry and things like that I think I've always just kind of seen things in my own unique way and I remember when I was in university there was um, there was this girl that liked me and she used to speak to my friends and that and said Adam is so deep he's like a kitab (laughs) (laughs) So that yeah. one's t- so that, that to answer your question, I think I wish I've been in some way. Isn't <laughs> a <laughs> Well, okay. Um,
2: yeah. So right now, um, are you are you? Uh, we always thought you'd be. Was this part of your plan, or is it? I mean, what sort of deviations did you take along the way?
1: I think lots of deviations. I think you know where we want to be and where we want to end up eventually. I think those goalposts shift as we grow and as we go through different stages of life. And it's, you know, the one thing that I always, always remember is when I was younger, I think I was probably about 18 or 19 years old. I I remember I was just at home doing whatever it was, not really paying much attention to anything. And I had this thought that just came into my head. And it just said to me that, you know, this you're supposed to do something important for the world and it was just like one of those fleeting thoughts but it kind of stuck in the back of my head and to answer your question where i am now or the path that i'm on now like sitting here and having this conversation Uh it says to me that i'm on the right path to where i want to get to i don't think it's ever really a destination i think it's as you grow and as you learn and as you find the things that are important to you and this having these kind of conversations especially within our community is telling me I'm on the right, on the right path.
0: And let's go back, I mean, where... Tell us about your childhood.
1: Childhood? When hmm. you grew up... So I grew up in Joburg. Joburg. Yeah, I grew up in Joburg in the west end of Joburg, in Bosmont specifically. Um, yeah, my, I have quite a big family on my, my dad's side. Interestingly, what most people don't know is quite a portion of my mother's family is actually Christian and not Muslim. So I grew up in quite a, quite a kind of mixed environment. And I think that also lends itself to where I find myself today, that especially in the climate that we're in, we, we need to have developed a bit of a more open mind in the way we deal with people, and the way we deal with, with uh, social issues and things like that. So I grew up in a bit of a mixed sort of environment and I think I'm better off for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Jovo, born and bred, went to school, university, got married there, got divorced there, then I moved down to Cape Town and basically starting a fresh sort of life down in, in Cape Town.
0: So, you don't have to answer this, but what did, you develop, <laughs> what did your divorce teach you? What, did you? what did you learn from it?
1: You know what, I think in retrospect, they always say hindsight has twenty-twenty 20 vision. And I learned, I think a lot about myself in the year, months and years f- following my divorce. And like till today, because we have a son, my, my ex-wife and I, we still have what I feel is a very good relationship. And But I think we, I learned through that is that you cannot, there's, there's this idea of being happy and this idea of, for me, being happy as an individual and then being happy as a unit. And being happy as a unit or working in a unit doesn't necessarily translate into you being happy as an individual. You have to build that For yourself and that's something that I think because we got married quite young, we got married at I was twenty-two when I got married. And you haven't really grasped that Mm -hmm. at that age. Mm -hmm. So I think my biggest lesson was to actually without not in a selfish way, but to put yourself first, so that like I said in one of my videos the other day, you have to give to yourself more so you can give more of yourself. So I think that was probably my biggest my biggest lesson from that.
2: So apart from your divorce, can you maybe Share one of your, your greatest challenges that you may have
1: faced. Greatest challenge, greatest challenge. An achievement. Challenge or achievement? Well, look, I mean, I think a no brainer, my greatest achievement would be my son, which is not really my achievement, it comes from Allah, but yeah. I think, you know, having come from a family like my parents divorced when I was quite young, when I was about 10 years old, and having come from that kind of environment, I. When I had my son and my ex-wife and I split, having looking at him now, and what we've tried to provide for him, that he is such a happy child, he's, for, he's constantly smiling and happy and laughing, and we make sure not to let him feel feel like he always has that family unit. So in that sense, I think that is so far my greatest achievement in just making sure that he is a content and happy child who feels secure. That's by far what what it would be for me. My greatest challenge, I think, I think I've already spoken about the divorce. I mean, for anybody, I think that's a, that's a very big challenge. It's, you know, your, your world gets turned upside down. But one of my most recent ones was, um, in the beginning of last year, April, sort of April of last year, I had to go for spinal surgery. And, um, I developed what they call degenerative disc disease and I sort of slowly started losing the... I couldn't really walk anymore. My d- discs had burst and my nerves were like shot and all that so it was a very, I took for surgery and fix it and I and learned to walk again after the operation and things like that. So that whole year was actually just getting a normal life back in that in that sense. So that it taught that taught me a lot more so again going back to my son that i couldn't even pick him up i couldn't play with him and it just made me realize that we do a lot of things either out of leisure or out of chasing a goal you know doing but we forget the small little things that we take for granted like just running around with a five-year-old so i'm very cognizant of that now like i want to i want to be able to run after him i don't have to hobble after them like a 75 year old when i'm my like, yes. <laughs>
0: Just on a side note, the Instagram family there. Yes. If you guys have any questions, please. Please screen, feel free. Pop the question and then we've got Aisha there on the other side to to <laughs> facilitate. Okay. Let's go into your, your... What are you doing at Rockamamas. Tell us about Rocker Mamas. What, what's exciting? Uh, are we getting a... I, I, I getting was waiting ke- for that question. <laughs> I said, not that. When I ask
1: a question, uh-huh. it's coming. It's, yeah. it's coming. We're working on it. I knew I was going to get that question. <laughs> so, yeah, I look after... I'm basically the, like I said, the brand manager for Rockamamas, And I essentially look after the way that we... Um, the way that the brand's personality, the way that the brand is positioned and is grown and perceived and that type of thing in, in the market. Um, you know, things like your, obviously, your traditional advertising around product development menus. Um, uh, involved with operational things, working with operational team. And yeah, I think just in a, in a sense, building the brand, giving it, giving that personality. And putting it out into a space in a way that's true to that brand, and I think, do a little sales pitch here, <laughs> what I really enjoy about about the brand and about Brian, who started the brand, is that every corner, the cornerstone of that brand, and every touch point is grounded in being authentic and being open and honest about the way things happen and the way things are done, and it's it, he's never deviated from that, and that for me is a really big thing when. Mm-hmm. When I first met him, when I, before I took this sort of leap, I just finished reading um, the books of Simon Sinek, the, the Start With Why books, and it profoundly changed my life, the way I look at things. And when I met with Brian, he'd also just finished reading it. So I think it just resonated from both aspects, that that is something that we both believe very firmly in, and we, we make sure at every touch point to, to start from there. So, yeah, I mean, that's, in a nutshell, what I what I look after at Rockham. It's a very exciting environment to be in. And, yeah, I can't wait to bring my first fellow one here because then I don't have to fly to Joburg every time I on have a burger. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: do you know if you have time plans? Uh,
1: not yet. We, we, we're still working on on that. It's obviously, it's a case of landlords and side, the right site. And as you know, with the market we have, it has to be in the right place for it to be a successful business. And because the franchise environment, that's... A key thing for us as a franchisee needs to have a successful business and be able to drive that. So it needs to be, all those boxes need to be ticked before we can press play on something like
2: that. So it's very clear that you, you spend quite a bit of time in the gym. Sometimes too uh, much, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, for people like me, we, I mean, this smart Magani look isn't working out. <laughs> So I mean what what hey, motivates you, really what, you. <laughs> <laughs> what what yeah what, what motivates you to go and spend time in the gym and just be consistent because that's something I struggle with personally
1: I think for me it's it's become almost like just routine, like I've been doing it since I was about sixteen or seventeen years old, and it's just become kind of habit like you know at five to eight you really for me it's that I'm going to the gym. it's like it's like that it's just become that but. It, motivation used to be something different. It used to be when you're in school, you don't want to be the scrawniest guy. Because I, when I started actually going and training myself, where really well, I was going with my uncle to these what was used to be known as cage fighting, and he brought me in. He said I need to do this, and I went. And then he just disappeared somewhere, and then I carried on with it. And you can't really do that when you're the skinny toothpick-looking guy in the in the room. <coughs> so I started there, but it just it, I think it just stuck from there and. But now I think it's very different, getting older and having gone through my back issue and stuff like that. For me right now, it's just about having a, a, a body that can carry you through, that works the way that it's supposed to work. And we all know that there's that saying where we, we were not born to sit behind desks all day. We were born to hike 20 miles and hunt saber-toothed tigers. <laughs> so it's kind of just trying to use your body for what it was meant to be used for.
0: Is that your favorite quote?
1: No, not my favorite one.
0: So what's your favorite quote?
1: I've got more than one, I think, for different aspects of, of life. One of, I think one of my favorite ones is Mark Twain's one, where he says, you know, the most the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day that you figure out why. And that's, that, that why is what I'm still trying to figure out. But that, so that's one of the very important ones for me. And from a... actually one from from the book of john in the bible that i heard when i was in school and it it, told today it resonates for me because i think it applies to every aspect of every single one of our lives and it says he who loveth not knoweth not god for god is love and it's so simple and it it talks to every every experience that we have in in life yeah it sounds pretty universal as well. Yeah. Very, yeah. You can apply it wherever you want
2: to. Uh-huh. It'll fit. And coming back to you, Jimmy, um, how do you manage in, in Ramadan?
1: Or, uh-huh. To be honest, sometimes I don't actually even go. You okay. know, I think some people become a little bit obsessive yeah. in trying to just... They can't, they can't take that break. Uh-huh. That break uh-huh. is there for a reason. Uh-huh. And I, I remember last year, I, I did a similar talk around the sort of some of the pitfalls around the fitness industry on 702 in Joburg and it was around sort of a similar trend that you need to sometimes learn how to take a break and take a step back and obsession can be a dangerous thing so in Ramadan it's there for other reasons it's there for another purpose I do still try and you know train as much as I can but you you can't expect to be at the same do the same things because physically you're not fueling in kind of the same way but it's so, so. yeah. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I. I just take a break and I don't like. I don't worry too much about it. I think I've gotten over the fact that it has to be done every single day for for me. It's as long as you consistent in the long term. I think you. I see. Yeah. You see those kind of benefits. And when do you jump? Day,
2: morning, evening, afternoon. Definitely in the evening.
1: It's my time to unwind and I'm way too lazy to go and do it in the morning. I will admit that very much. I do it sometimes, but it's usually when like I can't sleep, I'm up, like, but most of the time in the evening. What is...? Looking me very funny when I said I'm lazy. No,
0: no, you said lazy because I saw you went to a hike and you up not afford No, That's the different, morning. that's different. There's a view to look forward to. Uh,
1: <laughs> that I'll do every morning if I could.
0: What's your, what's your take on mentorship? Do you have any mentors?
1: No, I wouldn't say that. I think, you know, I actually made a, a, a note about it because it was something that, that, that jumped out to me when you asked me about that earlier. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it took me back to the depression series that, that, that you guys did where, where we first started sort of speaking. And I think that that idea of mentorship, the idea of a mentor has changed over, over time in, when we've become more aware of the way that we engage with people. And I think before a mentor was almost kind of do what, I, do what I say, don't do what I do mm-hmm. type of thing. It was almost really like kind of clear-cut and uh, dictatorship mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I think now it's become more about teaching somebody else about your failures, not necessarily about your success because that's where you've learned your lessons and i think it's you know we it's not somebody that necessarily builds you it's somebody that just shows you what you are capable of it's not trying to make them who you are it's like if you talk to like people who do sculptures they'll tell you i didn't create the sculpture i just revealed what was underneath and i think that for me is what mentorship is is it's not trying to imprint yourself on somebody else it's showing them what their value, what their capabilities, and who they really are.
0: So, is there, do you have any mentors that look up to? That you want to model?
1: You know what? I honestly can't say that I do. I, I think, I like to think that it's my mature answer in the sense that I have to be my own person, and. I have to bump my head along the way and sort of get there. I think there's values that I take from sort of people like us. Brian, who like there's certain values that he loves by that I really can understand and you know, uh, I would take some as my own. And obviously people in your family like your, like your parents, like your mother or your father, those type of things. I think my grandfather, if one thing I could take from him is that he's 85 I think <laughs> now. 85 and he still works every single day as a mechanic, he's probably stronger than what I am at, 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 when he's 85 years old, is that he, he's one of those people that if he works and he earns a hundred rand, he'll go and spend that hundred rand. He doesn't believe in hoarding, essentially He believes if I have it, I spend it and I, I, I use it, my risk will come again tomorrow. So I think that's a value I would love to be able to take from him and it's very difficult for us, at, the, at sort of this age, we were always trying to plan for retirement, plan for this and, and he's just, if I have it, I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to have it tomorrow. I see.
2: Yeah. Would you confide in or is there perhaps a place that you go to when you're faced with difficulty?
1: <sighs> confide in, definitely my dad. Okay. And I think he's... He's also been through a lot in his life and I think he can relate to a lot of the things that I go to him with. And I'm very fortunate to still sort of have him around. So definitely him. And from a friend point of view, I'm not somebody that has a whole conglomerate of of friends, um, but one friend of mine, Chiang, that lives here in Cape Town. I think she's probably the one that I would pick up the phone and phone if I had some kind of difficulty, some kind of challenge or like you said, needed to confide in somebody. I am somebody that believes you, you should open up to conversations like that and not because you're a man, you shouldn't do that kind of thing. I think mean, Brother Jakob and I spoke about that when he did his depression series. It was quite a topic back then. So I'm very open to confiding in people and understanding that we are stronger as communities than we are as one person.
2: Okay. Um. So, do you have any tips that you can maybe give us? Um, I mean, we, we all want to live a content in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, and you've been through quite a bit. <laughs> do you have any sort of guidance
1: or tips for us? I mean, you know, th- th- I remember when... <clears throat> First, I probably quantified ahead of time by saying I think content is something that you need to decide for yourself what it is. Because it's not a, like a one-size-fits-all thing. Everybody has different value systems. For somebody it might be success, for somebody it might be family, for somebody it might be a a marriage. So I think, you know, everybody needs to kind of decide what that value system is for you. But I always, when I went through my divorce, I remember sitting in the mosque in Greenside, reading Asr after work. And it was a very sort of tumultuous time going through all of that. And I remember standing there reading my Salah and I read this thought because one of the surahs that I always like to read is um, uh, Mm Al-Anashra. And I remember standing there and realizing with everything going on, unless somebody comes up to me right now and puts a gun to my head and pulls the trigger, this is not going to kill me. I'll get over that hill and I'll be here afterwards. So it was a bit... It might not sound profound, but it really changed me. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of that with every difficulty, there is mm-hmm. relief.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's something people talk about a lot, but it's very difficult to sometimes put into practice. Mm-hmm. So that for me is about, is where I could find, or say people could find contentment, is that finding every things in your everyday life that can bring you that happiness. It's a, it's a build-up of, of things. It's micro-experiences that build up happy and contented life it's not like this one goal that you will have to achieve that you peg all of your happiness and contentment on that once you get to that point once you've reached that item then you you content i think it it builds up over time and those are the small things that we need to value a lot more than just trying to climb that one mountain
0: what is your what is what are you most grateful for today?
1: I think probably probably my health. I you know, I was having a conversation with my sister this evening actually. She's been, you know, going through a few difficult couple of weeks, she's been feeling well and things like that and she um she got some test results and stuff back today and we had this conversation that we take a lot of things for granted. We we go through life thinking we, <laughs> and the CEO of Discovery, Adrian Gore, when I worked there, I remember him saying this is, the problem with people is we think we're going to live forever. And the first thing that we, that makes us realize we're not, is when our health is not there. Mm-hmm. So I think if I was grateful for one thing, it would be the fact that I'm healthy. Knowing what I went through last year, it's like a new lease on life. We, if you don't have that it doesn't matter what anything else that you have you can have the money you can have the job you can have the success you can have the family all of that stuff but if you don't have your health then you can't experience any of it i would you know hands down say health
0: so let's yes, just chat about you 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 obviously born in Johannesburg you yeah. know, worked there and now you know six to eight months ago you moved to Cape Town yeah. It's
1: actually my second time living in Cape Town.
0: Yeah, tell us about that. How How is Cape Town different to Johannesburg? And yeah, let's it, just check on a high level. And like how are you managing? You, you mentioned you got a couple of friends here. Why only a couple? Martha? A lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Johannesburg and Cape Town are two very different places. Obviously, apart from the The obvious one being that it's a lot faster in Joburg than what it is here, which is why I prefer it here. Joburg was just too fast for me. But I think the Joburg has had this idea that people in Cape Town are tricky, and you are. (laughs) 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 That's that's the reality, it is, it is is. is. and I think that's why, like you say, I've got a couple of friends Mm. and a lot of them pretty much from my workplace. Mm. I think, you know, when you're younger and you go through school and you go through university and you're part and parcel of a community growing up and you go through those different stages, you build up friendships and you build up Mm -hmm. things like, I still have friends that I knew when I was in primary school and high school, now in Johannesburg, but here, moving down here as sort of one person in your mid-thirties, it's very difficult to integrate into, into a community when you don't know anybody and... You don't have uh, those kind of uh, sort of past experiences of to, to, to draw from, so it is very difficult, and it's it's something that I really actively want to want to sort of change, and that's why I want you and I have been speaking quite a lot. Is you know, I think I'm I, I digress. I want to I'm come back the to, coffee, to sure. Cape Town and Joba, but it, it's. I think we all know if you want to go, if you want the money and that kind of thing, you go to Joburg. Yeah. that's just the way it is. But I'm after something more important to me and that's quality of life, like being able to go for a hike up a mountain. You don't get that in Joburg mm-hmm. and also for my son, it's I think it's important for him because I don't want him to grow up in a place where you're just being fed into the same system and just running in this rat race where there's mm-hmm. nothing else that you can experience. I do believe that K Town is a better place to raise him than than Joe would be. The only thing I miss about Joe is family, mm. not the place really.
2: Cool. Um, so tell us what do you what do you think about when you're alone in your car?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said car.
0: <laughs> I think he's asking that question because sometimes you pop up a uh, I do a lot of my recordings and stuff in like the car in a yeah, car. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think lately a lot of it is about this this message that through Sayedu that I want to bring across is a lot of it is me thinking about how can I bring that message across to more people? It's like you know in real situations, real meaningful conversations face to face, how do I get into that that space because ultimately it's something I do want to do a lot more of and a lot more in depth i i f- I feel I can give value to. A community and like our community specifically and it it helps me to also like, like I said find my own happiness because I, I feel like I can garner that from imparting it to other people. So a lot of my time is just thinking about mm-hmm. what the things I want to talk about, what happened during my day, how did it, how did I feel about it, what messages can I take from it. I mean my, my drive home is kind of like seven minutes so... It only to think about it so. Okay,
2: and uh, to our viewers and to everyone who's, who's watching if there was one thing you want them to take from this conversation what would it be? I think
1: you know what I think we've like the channels that we're using now through this through Instagram, through Facebook through all of those kind of things I think we, we, we all understand that we are in a very different time to the time that our parents grew up in. And when I think about the depression series that you did and one of the conversations that I had with Yaakov is there's a lot of uh, presuppositions of, in society and that I think we need to sort of break down. And us as a Muslim community... We are growing up in a time that our previous generations didn't grow up in a more inclusive time and there are the people in the world now that we can draw inspiration from that are not necessarily of the same faith or same creed and I think we've become a lot more open-minded to to being able to do that so I think if I have to give one sort of valuable piece of advice for me is that, don't live your life by the perception of other people. If things that you find value in are different to what your parents or your grandparents used to, different to the way that they used to live their life, then it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Yes, there's, there's pitfalls around, you know, going, using social media for the wrong type of things. But I do believe that through channels like this, we use, we can use it for a very powerful purpose and when i say pitfalls it's that we know that there's things like social media addiction there's um a lot of people get hung up on likes and followers and you put your self-worth into that device but i think if we can if we can really work on forming meaningful bonds with people through the conversations that we create i think it can eliminate a lot of the angst and stuff that we find in, in society. And it's all about opening up conversations. It's all about mm. just connecting with people. And that's what Sayelu means. It's the bond.
0: I was going to ask you about your podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Sayelu, what's it? Okay. Sayelu. sayelu. So it basically
1: comes from, if anybody's seen the movie Avatar mm. by James Cameron, it's, there's a language in that movie. It's not really, a, it's not a real language. Okay. But the word sanyu means to seal the bond. And when I was thinking of trying to make these connections and open up conversations, it, it fitted perfectly for me. It was, it just encapsulated every bond that we have, whether we have a relationship with ourselves, whether we have a relationship with a friend or a spouse or with our work, there's connections that we have all along the spectrum. And it just fitted really well for me. That's-
0: so How's your podcast journey going? <laughs> It, it, it's going. I'm
1: figuring it out as I'm going along. I think I've done three episodes now. I recorded a fourth one last night. Um, I think I've, I've always been more comfortable with my voice than being in front of a camera, so it, it, it you know it helps in that way. But it, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's it, it's nice to open up you know conversations and being able to capture it through a, a authentic, experial conversation.
0: So actually we have a question? We have question? two questions? Yes. Um, okay, so obviously you can use the description whether you want to answer it or not. The first one is what is the best and worst choice that you've made in your life so far?
1: Best and worst choice? Sure. Maybe start with mm. the yeah. mm, Let's see.
0: That's deep. <laughs> that is deep.
1: Eh? Yeah, that's well, like deep a big guitar there. My best choice, best choice. I honestly, I think actually my best choice was the decision to move back down to Cape Town, <laughs> and Cape Town, and not just because it's Cape Town, because I realized last year going through my, de- I was diagnosed with a depression last year, going through that and seeing a psychologist, the decision to move back down to Cape Town, closer, back closer to my son, and to a place that I felt was better for me, was grounded in that I needed to put myself first. My own well being, mental, physical, all that well being, I had to put that first. And I think I'm probably in a better space now than I've been in the last three years. So I do think moving back down here was one of the best decisions that I've made. And yeah, worst decisions. I, I don't know if I would call it a bad decision. The timing probably wasn't perfect, but I learned a lot from it, is I, I was working for Discovery, uh, I think it was 2012, 2011, 2012, somewhere around there, and I was doing photography and graphic design on the side, freelancing, and I I decided I'm going to do Eat, Pray, Love, I'm going to go and just go all in. Mm-hmm. So I. Left my job, I booked a ticket to India, I went to India, I like walked around, this <coughs> is 2013. I long lost? <laughs> I was, no, no I, I the intention was to go there, have this experience and come back and, and do my photography and stuff okay, okay. for a full time. So I did that and when I got back, I was feeling a bit like, I was back for about two weeks and I was feeling a bit fluish. So I quit my job already and I was, you know, whatever people I knew, connection, I was working on that. So I, myself and my ex-wife Winfrey, went to the doctor and doctor turned around and says, you know you're pregnant, right? So I was like, ooh, about that job, eh? <laughs> so, and it was... Just timing. It, yeah, it was, the timing wasn't great. but. Like I said, I don't know if I call it the worst decision, but I think the timing was as bad because yes. I learned a lot about myself. And sugar I was able—my son was born. I spent the first sort of five months at home with him when I worked from home, mm-hmm. and that's something I would never have gotten otherwise. So actually,
0: good. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, kind of. Yeah, I Classic. kind of went really left field. There, sorry about that. <laughs>
0: Um, okay, so the second question, I'm just going to rephrase it a little bit. Okay. Um, so the person is asking basically about Islam in Jehovah in comparison to Cape Town. So is it different and how was how it different? Sure.
1: There, there is there is a difference and I think it stems from that here, there's obviously a big Malay community in Cape Town. My family is sort of a mix of both. But in Johannesburg, it's the the... The, the larger uh, contingent is, is an Indian community and there's cultural differences there as well. So you you'd probably see a, uh, a closer link between Joburg and maybe an area like Araylands, for example, where, as I understand, is more of a Indian-based Muslim community. And it's not, I mean, it's not like you practice a different Islam, depending on where you are, but the cultural differences are, are, are quite you know evident. My mother is from originally from Cape Town, from the Strand. So I, when I was younger, I spent a lot of time in Cape Town. And so I kind of got the best of both worlds in a way. When I grew as I was growing up, I grew up around predominantly Indian uh, Muslims. So I think it's more of a cultural difference. I don't think it's really a, a question of difference in deen. But yeah, I think... The Indian community is probably just a bit more strict in, like, the way they do things.
0: Cool. One um Okay, so, um, so what was your greatest obstacle on your road to being able to do a one-minute handstand? <laughs> and then the next comment is, I assume you can do one.
1: <laughs> the, okay, firstly, yeah. Well, for the viewers, uh, we're going to we're
0: gonna ask Adam to actually do a handstand. <laughs> oh, wow. oh,
1: well, but, uh, why not? So yeah, okay, yes, I can. And my journey there was a very long and painful journey. I get a lot of questions around how to do those kind of things, how to train like that, how long does it take, what does it involve, and my default answer has become to a lot of people is if you're willing to fall down on your face enough times, then you find you'll you'll get there. But if you if you're not willing to experience that that kind of Pain, then, And I said pain because it's real. I mean, you asked me the, well, what was the weirdest question you got asked in the gym. And the one was, um, like, I was I was sort of learning how to do a handstand. And I, I used to fall over all the time. And the one day I fell over and I hit my first flat into the floor. And I opened myself up here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, I was like, I was like oh, you, did that hurt? I was like, no, it didn't hurt. <laughs> I just, it was like candy floss and... Egyptian goose feathers. That's why it's bleeding. So, <laughs> it 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 does take time. It takes practice, but in a nutshell, I believe it's. I enjoy it because it teaches me how to use my body in different ways, and it's it's something more fun. I, I just find it more fun learning how to do different things.
0: Just got a couple of more questions. Shoot. Uh, yeah. If you if you think of today's youth, what concerns?
1: I think we. I think we're part of legacy in many ways. That what I said earlier, we've come from, we were raised by parents and grandparents that basically they didn't have the internet to start off with. And I had this conversation with my ex-wife about my son and about social media, that it's not going anywhere. And we want to protect them. We want to keep them away from these things, but we can't. It's the world that they're going to grow up in. We need, to, we need to understand it ourselves first, so that we can teach them how to navigate these spaces. So I think because when I said we're about legacy is we've taken the way we've been raised by our parents and our grandparents, and we can't, we can't implement that same thinking with our children because it's a different world altogether. The last 15 years has changed the world 360 degrees. It's, it, it's a completely different place. And I think our youth are feeling isolated in a way. And I can attest it because, like I said, the fact that I've struggled to integrate myself. I can only imagine how an impressionable youngster feels in that space. So they turn to the social mm-hmm. media or to get that kind of validation. And it's not that they, they don't know how to talk to people in real life. It's not that they don't want to. It's, that it's, it's just the way that the world has changed. So I think it's, it's kind of up to us to, to bring them sort of back from that and to show them how to safely navigate those kind of spaces. Because I do believe that they are going to change the world. With, I mean, you had Zarif yesterday yeah. in Job, but I mean, look, what, look what he's achieved. Yeah. And so I do believe there's so much good that, that they can achieve if we can guide them in the right direction. One of the funniest things that happened to you recently, Funniest. <laughs> so, just so you know, I I don't always pull it off, and I don't always look cool. Mm. I was in I was in Canal Walk a couple of weeks ago. I went there for something after work, and I said okay, I'm just gonna have supper at the Kauai Then, mm. and I don't know what I was doing. I, I got my, my meal or whatever, and I was put it down on the table, and I was busy with something on my phone, and I sat down, and there was no chair behind me. I I missed the chair completely, and it was full full. And I'm clutching, at the, I'm going down, the phone is there and I'm, I ended up flat on the floor in the middle of the shop. And I was just like, you know, I'm just going to lay here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to park here. So, and it, it, it wasn't my finest moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I
0: forgot to ask this question. Do so you have a favorite Quranic story or verse? I know you mentioned Alhamdulillah. Is that it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it, it, it's that, but also more from, like I said, I think it's applicable to every single thing that we face. But I also feel like the, the I think it's, I wrote it down yeah. it's, where did I write it? Well, it's Rulam Bakr, okay. it's two, 286. I mean, we've all heard it, is that um, Allah will not give us a burden we don't have the strength yes. to bear. Mm. And I think it's it's important because we all and this is something that I I'm very a big advocate of is in anything that I put across is to be completely candid and open about everything. I don't have any skeletons that I feel like I need to hide because everybody has things that go on in their lives. Everybody has challenges and and uh, trials and tribulations But we all, whatever it is, you're still here. You will not be given something that you cannot handle. It's it all depends on our outlook, how we, where our faith sits, and whether we believe that something is actually a test to make us stronger. There's also that quote that says, um, "Everybody gets broken, but some people are stronger in the broken places." What is the next big thing for Adam Dean? I think I'm on the next big thing already. Sayedu is definitely my. I want. I'm hoping it will be my swan song. <laughs> I. I don't. I don't think there is any one thing. I think I just. I just want to give. Leave the world better than what I found it. Type of thing. i just going to give people. Guidance where I can, positivity where I can, and. I think in. In one sentence, I want to, moving down here, I want to entrench myself within the community. Because there's, you know, I always, I read a lot of like business books and stuff like that. And Warren Buffett, who's probably the most successful businessman in the world, he says success is defined by the people that, the amount of people that you love that love you back. Not by the amount of money that you have, and that's that's something that I want to strive for. Sure, yeah, that is deep.
0: So it's deep, like a kebab.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna live this town.
0: <laughs> Actually, I have a question. then. Yes, sir. Ma, this is for me. Though. Oh, okay. a question oh. from my. This is my defining. Actually, Muslim question. Okay. okay. Do you take pineapple
1: on pizza or not? I don't. <laughs> no pineapple <laughs> on pizza. I <laughs> made that comment <laughs> <the> last <laughs> week on the video. But have you tried it before? I have tried it. Mm. And, uh, I don't do sweet and sour.
0: Is it? No. My <laughs> bad is dying. Okay. So yeah, I mean, come <laughs> yeah, to me. you done a yeah. Thank you, Adam. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, having me. Is there anything you want to say? Is there anything that you want us to ask you or that you haven't asked you? No, not really.
1: I think it's just, I think love with humility, live with compassion and Pay attention to your self-acceptance. It's it's going to take you so far. It's we just need to learn to be decent human beings. I think mean, that's that's the mm-hmm. moral of the story. Is sure. Doesn't matter anything else if you can be a decent human being, you can be compassionate towards other people and be respectful and treat other people with love. I think we can eliminate ninety percent of the ills of the world. Definitely, definitely, without a doubt.
0: So, thank you. All the best you. for your one-hand you one hand hand. stance and <laughs> your hiking. And I'm glad you back going to die because <laughs> I don't have to do that. And yeah, all the best for the podcast as well. Shukra, so, inshallah, we're going to have a photo meetup up in, on the 17th of Feb. Okay. Hopefully, you can join us. Yeah, I'll bring my little one with me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Shukran, thank you very much. Assalamualaikum. Okay.
0: So, that's it for today's show. We hope you added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspire you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamualaikum.